Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman. It's my goal for the podcast and for myself to explore the feeling of happiness, what it means to me and what it means to others. Sherry, my guest today, helped clarify that a bit more for me in this conversation, as you'll hear momentarily, by pointing out that happiness is our ability to move forward, to make progress, and to not feel stagnated. I loved that perspective and I loved this conversation. If, while listening to this conversation, you find yourself wanting to do better in certain areas of your life, perhaps with tracking and systems, I would greatly appreciate it if you would share it with a friend who you think needs to hear it. At some point in this conversation, I tell Sherry I believe she and I are kindred spirits because of the incredibly high standard of discipline she holds herself to, which made this conversation so enjoyable for me. One of my favorite things she says in passing is, why would you buy unhappiness? We were talking about ice cream in that piece, but that question can absolutely apply to all areas of our lives. I'll speak for myself here, but feel free to ask yourself how this applies to your own life. I started asking myself this question two years ago as I was thinking about giving up alcohol. More recently, when I was making the final strides to have a 100% clean diet, I was asking myself that same question about pizza. And if I haven't said this on here before, I freaking love pizza, but knowing what it feels like to eat clean versus what I feel like after eating pizza, the math was simple. I chose to feel great instead of settling on feeling good enough. I aspire to match Sherry's level of discipline, as you'll hear. For two decades, Sherry Sterling Fernandez has been a speaker, a teacher, a mentor, and now a best-selling author. Sherry's new USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential, tells her rags-to-riches story and explains the principles and tools she used for success. Sherry has taught these principles to hundreds of people who have found success and the happiness that follows using the Life Mastery program. Please welcome my guest, the ever so inspirational Sherry Fernandez. Sherry, how are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Sun's shining. It's a beautiful day in Idaho, and I'm really good. That's good. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, like Idaho, it is it is sunny here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the weather's finally starting to cool down a little bit, which I'm, I'm not too upset about. What uh, is it? Has it been quite warm there? I don't I don't know what the climate's like in Idaho. Well, it's it's above average warm, so we've been having uh, highs in the mid 60s. Tomorrow's supposed to be 70. That's quite above average for normal for Idaho. It could be yeah. freezing this time of year, but. I guess there's global warming or something, but if this is it, right. I'll like bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's it's kind of a, a love hate thing. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just excited to be able to to get out and actually enjoy being outside as opposed to being too cold or hot. You know, one thing that we didn't really touch on when we spoke previously was I know you said yeah you've got a passion for not only just bike riding but mountain climbing as well, and I love doing both of those things. Do you get out and do those often? Yes. In fact, my goal is to get on my bike every day this week. I've got these interviews <laughs> that are getting in my way. But I was yeah. hoping to get out this afternoon when we get done. I don't know if I'll get a chance or not, but 
I've been out, is that yesterday? Uh, I do a road bike. Um, so I do road biking because I had to make a decision at one point and I ride by myself. So yeah, I uh, decided riding on the road was probably more practical for that time. <laughs> been my passion for lots of years. Yeah. And yeah, then we do some hiking and we did climb uh, the Mont Blanc, around the Mont Blanc, the Tour de Mont, uh, Tour de Mont Blanc. Yeah, that's what it's called. So it was like a 10, 11 day hike up in the Alps. That was cool. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So you're a big backpacker as well? Oh, well, (laughs) no, no, not so much. I'm really big for the hiking part. When it's time at the end of the day, then I need a bed. (laughs) So (laughs) I've done it, but it's not, you know, I mean, I've done it. And when our kids were young, you just do those kind of things, right? But I don't have to do that anymore. So it was a supported, we carried what we needed for the day and twice we had to carry what we needed overnight. But the rest of the time we had some kind of a hostel or something at the end of the day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm getting to the point. I I do enjoy hammock camping. I don't mind that. I'm I'm still fairly comfortable in the morning, but I'm I'm at the age where I, I prefer my bed, uh, certainly. But I, I I know it's a little bit difficult to take a mattress and bed hiking with you. So it, it's <laughs> it's a, you know, give and take there. I'd be all for backpacking if somebody would carry my pack and there'd be a mattress in it. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's what uh, what are the what do you hike with in the Grand Canyon? Is it mules, donkeys, something of the sort? Yeah, I'm sure we could strap yeah. uh yeah strap one on there. <laughs> yeah, I'll my mattress on a donkey. Yeah, God, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to chat with me. Um, I, I was so excited when we first, uh, when we first spoke and without, you know, without knowing much about each other, we, I, I think we connected initially over our tracking systems and, and the way that we kind of try to structure our days. And, you know, it's just something I started doing at random and it started bringing a ton of value to my life, not thinking that there may be other people in the world that, that do something even more structured. And I, I, I love that. And so if we can just start there and you can talk to me about how you track your days and how you, you know, build the systems around them to make sure that you're, you're living your most productive and best life. I'd love to hear about that. I'd like to go back to where I started that. And so yeah. I was a young, uh, married, young married woman where we're just poor than dirt and got two good old kids. And I had really wanted a lot of things out of life. I thought I've got to find a way to get them. And I was reading lots of personal development. I wanted not like things, things, but I wanted to be a lot of things, including wealthy, but other things as well. And I I really wanted to be successful. And I made this little chart. I I knew it was, I needed some habits and I was pretty undisciplined. So I wanted to develop three habits at that time. And I made a little chart and I just put my three habits on it and the days of the month well, across the top. And I just would check them when I got them done. And that was the beginning. So now it's much more refined and they're available on my website. website. I make them available for free for, I've done it for a decade because yeah. I still believe in it. And you might as well not reinvent the wheel. So right. now it looks more like a, a chart. I've got room for now my days. Um, I've got room for about on that chart, probably 10 or 11 items, um, this tracking sheet, we call it, that I do every day. Or I have so many days a week I do it. Like I work out five days a week. And I just track those every day, every day. If you have the habit of tracking, then everything else sort of takes care of itself, right? Yeah. So, you know, did I did I read today? Did I meditate today? You know, did I do this? I've got a little stretching thing that I've got to do for my shoulder. Did I get that done today? So I have about, uh, I think on mine I've got right now about 11 or 12 items that I do every day. Some things are habits I've had for forever and I just still track them. And some things are temporary and some things I'm working on to make permanent. 
Yeah, that's and I think that's a very important point because there have been times, and I like you have ten or eleven items that I, I I do my best to track every single day, and sometimes things, sometimes I'll add a new one in, and sometimes I'll pull one out because it's simply not serving me, um, and that's that. I don't know that that always presents kind of a, a conflicting feeling inside me because I knew there was a reason why I wanted to try this initially, and I feel almost bad letting it go. But you know, if it's not serving you, there's no point. So when you kind of recycle uh, habits or, or items of tracking that that aren't necessarily bringing value to your life, I mean, how? how how do you kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm taking a, a, a look at this from a, from an overhead view and this is just, it's not working for me. How, how do you really decide that? Well, I do I like you. Sometimes I'll look at something and say, you know, this isn't serving me right now. Um, and well, the first thing, so well, the first thing I say, do, how bad do I want this? Right. Right. And is the system, do I need a different system? Is the system serving me? I'll use an example as I was tracking my water intake. I'm, I'm not very good at that. I had a, surgery on my esophagus a while back and now I have a hard time getting the water in so but what I found I was doing was saying did I get that 70 ounces of water did I get 70 ounces of water well I probably I had that drink and I found myself sort of compromising I think this is not good for my integrity I have to find another system to track my water than me just thinking back over the day and did I get that seven glasses or whatever it is so I dropped that one I still want the water but I have to find another system I had a client that wanted to play the piano she thought practice. She went back, wanted to go back to practicing daily. She'd grown up playing the piano and week after week she hadn't done it. And I finally said, do you want to really? She said, I thought I did, but I don't. So sometimes there's things you think you want, but when it gets right down to it, you don't want to pay the price to do that. You don't want it bad enough. And so you let those, it's no big deal. That's just not for you right now. Then I have items on my chart, my chart too. They're non-negotiable. No matter where I am traveling, whatever, there's a few items that I do no matter what every day of my life, always. I like that. I like the words that you used a few moments ago, and you talk about uh, in making them a part of your integrity. And I, I think when you mentioned integrity, just in, in passing uh, in conversation with somebody on the street, I mean, that's here are the values I hold true for myself. You know, I I'm if somebody needs help because they've tripped and fallen, I'm going to help them up. That that seems like what integrity should be by the de- dif- uh, dictionary definition. But when we think about how we view integrity within ourselves, so much of it can just really be how true we hold our values and how much we try to practice them. And whether or not other people know about them, this is this is what it is for me, and this is how I feel about myself. And I don't know when you talk about your your habits, your rituals. How do you really make those to be a part of your integrity? How how do you attach those to your integrity? First of all, they have to be firmly defined. Yeah. If it's something that's not firmly definable, I have another system for those. In other words, if I want to be a better listener, I do written affirmations for that because you can't measure it. So you want to make sure because you don't want to lie to yourself. You don't want to set yourself up for lying. That's why I quit the water thing. So then you look at it and say, is this is the parameters I set for myself? Am I within those parameters? And then it's vitally critical that we don't cheat ourselves. If you cheat yourself, you'll cheat anybody, right? <laughs> don't cheat yourself. And, and you have to ask yourself, okay, like right now, as you were talking, I have this commitment to 14,000 steps a day. Yes, I just remembered just as we were talking, I don't think I checked before I went to bed. And I think I had 200 left. Well, yeah. 200 is pretty close to 14,000, 
will I mark my chart that I did 14,000 steps, right? Right. Did I, will I mark that off for the lack of 200 steps? I, you have to set that parameter up in advance. Okay, if I'm within 200, I'll mark it. But I didn't do that. I said 14,000. So I, as much as I hate, hate missing that mark for 200 steps, I'm going to have to mark, leave it blank. Yeah. Because I didn't say in advance, 200 shorts, okay. You know, and that kind of, drawing that kind of line with yourself is so yes. good for your integrity. You can be true to you. You can be true to anybody. But cheating yourself, it was a bad habit. I mean, that just don't do that. <laughs> it's not, nothing's worth it. There's no yeah. how. And the only one seeing it is you anyway, right? So yeah. you have nobody to impress. It just, uh, you don't want to cheat yourself. That's why I gave up the water thing. I think. I couldn't seem to get a handle on it where I knew positively I was within my parameters. Yeah. So I'm still drinking water, Trey. I'm just <laughs> That's good. It. That's I'm good. probably not getting as much as I should, but I'd rather not get the water than, than yeah. not be integrous with myself. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 you're like you said, you're still getting it. I mean, you're, it's still a practice of yours. And I, I really, I don't know when, when you talk about not cheating yourself, that, that is so so visceral. That 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 really that really hits home for me because there are so many little white lies that we can tell ourselves, and that can be so damning when it comes to our overall goals and aspirations. And I I, I used to be a person that like you, or not not like you. I, I used to you know if I had a goal and I decided that what I had accomplished or not accomplished was good enough, then I, I was never pushing myself hard enough to get to where I really wanted to be. You know, when a perfect example for me, when you talk about um, allowing yourself, you know, to, to give yourself 14,000 steps when it was actually 13,800, I think about, I used to play a lot of golf as a kid. I played in high school and I used to play with my dad all the time. And, you know, I'd hit a bad shot and, you know, my, my dad or my uncle would say, go ahead and take another one or don't count that stroke. And for the longest time I was okay with that. And then when I really started to play somewhat competitively, I realized I'm not serving myself by, you know, saying I got a, a, a par instead of a, a double bogey. That's just, there's, nobody's seeing it. I'm, 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 I'm not doing anybody any favors by giving myself, you know, a two underscore or two under par or whatever it is I'm giving myself. Whereas when I'm in competition, I can't do that. So it's, it's, it's just very important to me to be as truthful and at sometimes, uh, harsh with myself to make sure that I'm, I'm living within that, you know, fine line of integrity. Right. And you know, sometimes on that, those tracking things, the only really good reason to do it is because I said I would. I told yeah. you earlier that I did. All, I do a lot of cycling, not as much as I used to. Uh, that's because I'm not getting. I'm doing interviews, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, I'm always able to get out today. But I did a lot of hills when I was a little bit younger, not that many years ago. But I would do a lot of hills, and uh, there's one route in particular that's up a few hills to a mesa nearby, and I, several hills. You know, I could take one hill over another hill to get to the top. And I would say, I don't. I could just go back. I don't have to do this. But I'd right. be like, I, I always did it. I said I was going to do this, and I'm going to do it. You know, because if you quit on yourself, which is another form of you know not being. I mean, it's, it's another way of not being integrous with yourself. Don't quit on yourself. If you say to yourself you're going to do something, then do it, unless you have very compelling reason not to. All right, right? that's more important than than having said that you would. So many re so so many reasons to complete something you set out to do. But one of the best ones is just being true to yourself. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And to me, another great reason is proving that you're capable of doing what you set out to do. I mean, climbing those hills, like you said, nobody's going to see you turn around and go home. But when you know that you can get to the top, that just makes the next time that you go out for a ride that much better because you know how far you can go. You know that you can continue pushing yourself. You know that you're going to reach the top of that summit or whatever proverbial peak that you're, you're aiming for. And that's that's so important when we are trying to accomplish something either professionally or, you know, personally in regard to a goal that we've set for ourselves. And so willing to be uncomfortable just for a few moments or a few minutes or an hour or two so we can really push through that pain to get to where we've decided we're going to be. I don't know. There's there, there's so much value in that. There is. And uh, some of the greatest value in that is no regrets. If I right. uh, if I did, turned around and came home on one, it was this one hill in particular, it was just a brutal hill. If I turned around and went home, I would regret it. You know you yeah. would regret it. I know I would regret it. Okay, it's going to be hard. Like you said, it's just a few minutes. Timing myself up that hill, I think it was like maybe 10 minutes to get to the yeah. top. So it was a brutal 10 minutes, but I would regret it when I got home. I'd be, I would be disappointed in myself that I didn't do it. And I would rather have the 10 minutes of pain than the whole evening of disappointment and having yes. let myself down. And a lot of times it's, the, it's that remembering, looking ahead. I will, re- whether it's climbing a mountain or eating a cookie later, <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to feel about myself later? How am I going to feel about this decision? I really believe it's possible to live without regrets yeah. every day, but it, it does take some focused thinking and being aware of your decisions all day long to do that. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, that's that 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 being aware of your decisions. That uh, I, I know we've spoken about uh, meditation in the past, and uh, mindfulness. I know is closely tied to that. I, I think a lot of what we and I say we collectively do it can be so habitual. It can, you know, we we walk inside from a, a long day at work and we go to the fridge and pull out a pint of ice cream or or pull out a beer because that's just that's the routine that we've gotten ourselves in. So when you work with clients or when when you advise people on being aware or conscious of the decisions they're making, so they can get themselves into a better system of tracking and making better decisions. How, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, where do you start with somebody? First of all, um, I let them choose, of course, what they want. It's interesting though, how many things are, there's usually a handful of things that people start with. They'll pick one, two, three of about out of about five or six things, but um, then uh, we put them on the tracking sheet, Uh, but when they, they eat the ice cream, say they, they said, um, I'm going to, we don't do it negative. So we'd say, I'm going to eat clean because we don't want to put the word right. ice cream on our sheet because then it makes us want to eat ice cream when we right. see it. Um, so I want to eat clean. I'm not going, to, I'm going to eat an apple after I get home from work or whatever it is. Okay. So I've committed to that. And then they say, oh, I ate ice cream twice this week. And then I say, how did that feel right. afterwards? How did you feel about yourself? It's a universal answer. I didn't feel good about it on the days that you didn't eat the ice cream and you ate the apple. How did you feel? I was really proud of myself. Okay, now the trick is to remember before you eat the ice cream how you feel afterwards and the difference. It's um, Viktor Frankl that said between stimulus and response, there's a space, and in that space lies our power to choose. Yes. And it's those choices that make all the difference. But what's really cool is the more that you exercise your 
right to choose and that little space between stimulus and response, the bigger the space grows. In other words, the more often I choose the apple when I'm, when I, my impulse is to take the ice cream, the more often I make those kind of choices, the more I have a stronger power to choose, my space yes. to choose, my options to choose grow. Now I can do other things because of the strength that I gained from oh, doing that, that one thing. I love that. I love Viktor Frankl. Um, I, I like, uh, I mean, that's a very, that's a very powerful question. Uh, how, how did you feel? Um, and I, I want to break that down a little bit because I, for, for me, I've, I'm, I, this is, has not always been the case. Let me preface it by saying that um, I am extremely strict when it comes to my health and nutrition. It's just, it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. I want as much time on this planet and being as healthy as I can for as long as I can. And so I, I, I know what it's like to make, I know what it feels like to make the right decision. I, I will, I will say that, but I also know that a lot of times people will use, well, continue with ice cream, use ice cream as a way to, for, for short time for, you know, to, to, to release that dopamine, to, to have that, that short fix where they'll feel good for, for a few moments or maybe 15, 20 minutes because they are getting that, that, that sugar rush. They are, they are tasting something good and it's comforting them. Uh, whether or not they're depressed or they're in a bad spot, they had a bad day. This is just a way to alleviate some of that pain. And so for me, a lot of it came down to releasing myself from that short-term gratification and focusing on what I want to feel like long-term. So that's why I love that question. How did you feel? And I, I, I don't know how to answer this question. So I'm going to ask you how, I mean, maybe you've already answered it, but how do you break people out of that, that short, that very short-sighted mindset where I'm, I'm going to make myself feel better for a little bit, even if I regret it, you know, tomorrow or the next day or even in half an hour? Well, first of all, I have no power to change anybody. All I can right. do is point out and let them give them the opportunity to think about things. And I really, the best teaching tool is asking questions. That's why I say, how did it feel after? And how does it, you know, when you did the right thing, how does it feel afterwards? Um, right. The thing with the ice cream too is here's the deal. We have really one desire in this life above all others, and that's to be happy. Yes. When we make the choice to eat that ice cream, we think that it's going to make us happy. And there may be or may not be, usually there is a little moment of pleasure in that ice cream. But the long-term effect is that we're not happy. Right. I'm disappointed in myself. I, I don't like the way I look. Next time we go to put our, do up our pants, we're like, I shouldn't have eaten that ice cream, right? Or my stomach hurts. I shouldn't have eaten that ice cream. Um, so the more we can be aware of how we feel about our choices so that, because it's the pain point, right? Okay. Yeah. I am not happy when I eat that ice cream. I think I'm going to be happy. And the first bite tastes good. And maybe the second and third, yeah. then it doesn't even taste good. I'm not going to do that anymore. So your pain point has to get to be a place where you say, because we want to be happy. I want to be happy. I know I want to be happy, but ice cream's not the ticket yeah. <laughs> or, or alcohol or drugs or yeah. watching Netflix for hours on end or dozens and dozens of other things. Then we become willing to pay the price because we know that the happiness that it brings, yeah. but it does take yeah. some thinking through it. You know, you have to become aware that that's what's going on. And it's the lack of awareness why most people do it. Once they become aware, that's easier. But most people aren't really aware of even the, the process. They just, at the moment, they get the ice cream and they don't give it much of another thought consciously. Yeah. 
Um, let's, I want, I want to talk about, uh, systems a little bit and we can continue on talking about, um, how we can set ourselves up for success. Now it, it may, it may seem simple, uh, in regard to ice cream, don't buy the ice cream. So it's not in your fridge. So you're not tempted to eat it when you get home, but there are systems that we can put in place, especially when it comes to, you know, working out, for example, or going for a run. For me, it's, not only just making the time and space for it, but, you know, having, make, making sure that my gear is readily available or within eye, within eyesight to make sure that it remains top of mind for me. Um, obviously systems play a big part in your work and it plays a big part in all of us building our habits. Um, so when you help others build some of these systems, I mean, Obviously, I, I think you help establish their goals, but I mean, how 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 are systems built really within uh, the scope of of where you're helping your clients? Well, um, I have some formal systems, and I would refer to them more as more systems than other things. More of a little hack. So, formal systems. I have the tracking sheet, which you can get free on the website. I've been giving those away. I've had three businesses, three websites, and I've given them away on all of them freely because they're so valuable That's and they're great. so simple. But you might as well not, you know, make your own if you can get one free from me, right? Uh, and they're just basically every beginning of every month. You just write down the things you want to have happen in your life on a daily basis. And you track them. You get an X. If you did it as planned, you get an X if it's not required. If it wasn't a day that you you work out typically, Sunday, I don't work out. So I get an X. If you don't do it, you get a blank space. It's that simple. And it sounds like overly simple, but you cannot believe how that blank space will push you to do something right. you did that you want to do. It's like, I still don't want to do that thing, but I do not want that blank. I don't <laughs> want to look at that tomorrow. And so we'll do it. So it's kind of an accountability system. I have another system that's for things you can't measure. If you want to be, I want to be a better listener. Well, I want to be a good listener. I am a good. So I write on my um, written daily written affirmations. I write it every day. I am a good listener. Yeah. Now, am I? Well, I'm working on it. Um, I tend to be kind of serious. So I have on my daily written affirmations. I laugh easily and often. Yeah. I smile at everyone. Uh, I am positive and optimistic. And lately I picked up a little line from John Acup that I liked. He says, my life is dope. And it amuses me. So I say, my last one is my life is dope. My husband doesn't get it at all, but I'm like, this because you're old. <laughs> anyway, so those are some formal systems. But also you, you mentioned some things I would call like hacks. I would have a lot of my clients when I had Fit Mania, who did the 5.30 class, 5.30 a.m. classes are extremely popular. I, when we set them up, said, I will not be teaching those. <laughs> Somebody else is going to do it. But some of the clients would sleep in their workout clothes. And yeah. I'm like, so whatever works, you know. And then when they get up, they're ready to go. And they, you know, they've already made their commitment the night before. That's a little hack that can help you stay focused. When I wanted to get on my bike every day for weeks, I knew the weather was going to be great. I left my bike in the living room. Yes. <laughs> my husband's stepping over. He's like, why do we have to have this bike here? Because... <laughs> Every time I see it, I get a good feeling. It says, yes, yes, I do want to go for a ride. So you can do little hacks. And like you said, you don't buy the ice cream. In fact, just don't do that. Anything like that. Just don't buy it. If you want it that bad, go buy it. Maybe it'll change your mind about when you want it. But don't keep it in the house. So that's also, of course, a good hack too. Not buying things you know you shouldn't be consuming. Yeah. And you're not happy when you consume them. So don't right. buy them. Why would you buy unhappiness? I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that that falls back into into line and to the conversation about integrity, and we have to really define what that means for us. I mean, is is it, 
if we're doing things to ourselves that we know are going to make us feel bad, then that, that, that's, that does not fall in line with our integrity. We don't want to feel bad. We want to feel good. Like you said, our, 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 our mission, hopefully, and especially in relation to this podcast and this conversation is that we want to be happy. And I know that means, at least I've come to discover that that means something different for every single person. And I, that's, to me, I used to think I could unlock the secret to happiness, which just seems silly now, but it's become so apparent to me that it's just, it's become a state of mind. And I know what it takes for me to really tune into that and, and create the, the outputs to get to that point, because I know what I need to do, what inputs I need to, to work toward to, to get there. And that's, I don't know, that's just, that's such an important goal for me. Yeah, maybe I can, I think I can put that in words for you, please, because they're actually, <laughs> it is, I don't think there's anybody, uh, anybody, any, any, at least not very many people in the world that would argue that done the thinking behind it, much meditating on it, that wouldn't agree that we are here to be happy. Yeah. Everybody from Aristotle to the Dalai Lama to everybody, every religion, we all would agree that our main purpose is to be happy. I use this example. Every parent wants for their children, for them to be happy. They'll say, all I want for my children is to be happy because it's the greatest thing yeah. that we can have. So the question becomes, how can we be happy? And you have discovered it, even though you haven't put it quite into the words yet, but it is when we progress, we are happy. And the way I can best describe that is by the, the opposite. When you feel stagnant, which of course we're never stagnant because we're living things and we're either backsliding or going forward. But when we feel stagnant, stuck, slipping backward, we are miserable. Yeah. Right. That is about the most miserable state. In fact, from a spiritual point of view, you would say that's damned. That is actually the the literal translation of being damned. I can't move forward. When we are moving forward, no matter how small, towards our infinite potential, we're happy. It can be just the tiniest steps. Uh, Somebody I did an interview this morning, they said, how long will it take for people to start feeling happy from the the uh, new habits that they're developing they're developing when they start working with you or whatever it was I can't remember how I put it but I said the very first day yeah. the very first day that you accomplish what you set out to do no matter how small you will be yes. happier and it grows and grows and grows and grows and so that's why I think what you've discovered is forward movement towards an infant potential makes you happy because you know when you're growing doing the right thing becoming a better person you're happier. Yes. And I think what you just said is, is so incredibly important that the first day that they start working with you, the first day they start making progress, they have the ability to be happier. And I used to get stuck on the hedonic treadmill. I used to say that I'll be happy when I have a new car or a raise or a new, <laughs> this new job. I was always pushing that happiness line further down the road, not knowing if I would ever get there without realizing that I have the full capability of being happy today. And if there are things that I want to change, I can, I can make progress. I'm not stuck. And I don't know why I felt like I, I, that was just the mindset that I was in and I, I didn't have an ability to change it. And so now that I'm fully, it's internalized, it's something that it just, it brings me joy and happiness every single day thinking about it. Yes. It's, um, you know, I think one reason why I mean, everybody wants to be happier and I don't think there's a lack of willingness for some people. It is a lack of willingness to do little steps. I think what sticks people is they, it looks so huge. It looks so big. I'm stuck way back here 
and up there is where I need to be. Way up there is where I need to be. Right. And the reality is the only way to get there is one little tiny step at a time. It's yes. not as far as you think, but you get there. Just like any journey we did. I told you earlier that we had done the Tour de Mont Blanc. I probably say that terribly because I'm so bad at that kind of say, saying words like that. But anyway, it was 11 days of hiking from France into into Italy, then into Switzerland, back to France. So we kind of went around the massive. And every day you climb a big mountain. I mean, yeah. I'm being big. We'd look at people up way up on the mountains ahead above us and say, oh my goodness, what are they doing up there? Well, they were just ahead of us. <laughs> we're going up there. And it was really hard, but uh, it's just, we did it, you know, every day. And none of us knew when we started, if we were capable, we, we were all perfectly capable. Yeah. It was just putting one foot in front of the other all day long. You go up, then you go down, you go to bed, you get up next morning, you go up and you go down. Uh, it's one foot in front of the other. And the joy in that process was incredible. We yeah. would stop once in a while and look back where we'd been and we'd be like, oh, that's cool. Then we'd look, see where we had to go. We'd be a little discouraged, but we just kept going and we made it every day. 11 days, we made it every single day. And we were a variety of ages. Um, we had a teenager, a teenage grandson with us, uh, another, a daughter from another family and my sister. And we had varying health problems. I didn't, but uh, everybody just made it. We just did and we just did fine. That's amazing. That that just, had to have been an incredible experience. It was, but it's the but the, the I love the metaphor because it's one foot in front of the other, yes. in front of the other, and then you have a marvelous experience. And it is. It may feel mundane some days, but no, it's a marvelous, marvelous experience. Especially when you look back and see how far you've come. Absolutely. I um, it's a completely random anecdote. I um, so the the Columbus Marathon was this past weekend uh, here in October. I know this is going to come out in November, but um, I, I have I've never run a marathon before. I've, I've run a couple half marathons, and I I just always told myself that distance is unattainable for me. And I just I, I sat there at mile nineteen with just a bunch of people just on some random road cheering runners on, and it was just. It was such an amazing experience and such an amazing feeling seeing that, uh, seeing that and experiencing it as as a runner on the sideline. I just, I, I you're you're right because I remember training for the half marathon. It's just it, you just increment your distance every time you go out and run, and eventually you get to that thirteen point one miles, and eventually to eighteen and and twenty three, and then twenty six point two, and then you're finishing, and you just it. That 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 accomplishment, just it, I'm sure it feels so incredibly surreal once you get there. You know, that's a, I like that. I'm just going to stretch it out into my own life. We don't really talk very much about this, but I was a very very undisciplined teenager. I don't think I did three days of homework my entire high school, and could never find a pencil. And I was that way in my. And then I, I kind of partied away some of yeah. my years, and then. So I had a little bit of an alcohol problem. And so when I settled down and said, okay, I'm going to work, I was way, way behind on my disciplines. <laughs> I just had terrible self-discipline, but I did want a lot and I wanted a lot of success in life. And I started with the discipline with a little chart that I made for myself, a tracking sheet. Uh, now people who, when I tell them that, they're just so, who know me well, they're so amazed because I am extremely disciplined. Yeah. I don't think that I'm disciplined to part that I'm like neurotic, <laughs> but I'm very, very disciplined. I have those things I do every day and I've made so many things happen in my life and some people will comment and they can't believe that I had all this problem with discipline. Well, how did I get there? It was like your marathon. I just did a little thing and another little thing and another little thing and another yes. little thing. And then one day I realized that I was above average and disciplined and I still kept going and, and pretty soon I was teaching it. Right. That's and then I wrote a book. 
<laughs> and I wrote a book on it. Yeah. Sherry, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits. I, I like like yourself in, in my younger years, I, I was not a good student. I, I did not do my best in college, you know, with the goal of coming out and, you know, starting a business and taking over the world. I, I knew I wanted to start a business, but I, when I when I graduated, I was nowhere near disciplined enough to, to be there. And so it just, it took realizing what I needed to do and actually making steps toward it to, to be able to accomplish that. And I, I, I want to... I want to really drive home the point that you and I, we, we, we did not start early. We started when it was right for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think when it, it, it comes kind of to that pain point again, when you say, just like the quart of ice cream, I've been eating the quart of ice cream metaphorically. And all of a sudden I say, this doesn't feel good. I came to a point where I said, this is not how I want to live. And it is not going to get me what I really want. Because yeah, what I really yeah. want is no ceiling on my finances. I don't want to have to save every, in case the washing machine breaks down for the rest of my life. What I wanted was, I have six children, Trey, and I wanted to be able to have a sexy, fit body and still have my big family, which I do. And I did. And I did a, a figure division of a bodybuilding competition nice. uh, last year. Um, I did that. And I, wa- I missed my education. I didn't get even go to college yeah. one semester, if you can count that. And so I wanted the education that I missed, not formally so much, but I wanted to be educated. So all those things and, and the kind of person I wanted to be, so many things, uh, and I needed to find a way to get there. And it was through discipline. You, you know, you can't get around it. But finding a way to help your disciplines grow, a, a tool, yeah. is so yeah. helpful and will keep. A lot of people just beat themselves up that they're not successful, but what they really just lacked was a system and yeah. would have been successful with a system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, talk to me about the eight segments of life for, uh, for journey. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, I'm curious to know more about that and to talk a little bit uh, about, um, what you've built here. I start with physical. I mean, this body is, and we've talked a lot about physical today because it's something we're both passionate about, but we start, uh, the first one's physical because this body is how, how is the tool that we use to do everything else, right? To think, to be motivated, to love, to work, to grow a business. Everything comes through this instrument of our body. And the more fine-tuned that is, the better everything's going to. You wouldn't want to do any kind of fine work with tools that weren't up to par, right? So this is our tool. And also the other thing about physical is it helps develop the disciplines and it's measurable. It's a really good place to start to see what you're capable of. And then spiritual uh, Ryan Holiday said that if we our bodies went numb, we'd rush to the doctor and look for help. But we're walking around, a lot of us, spiritually numb, and we don't even know it. We're not even alarmed. <laughs> so right. spiritual, and whatever that looks like for you, it can be whatever it is for you. But you, we have to nourish ourselves spiritually. Um, relationships, of course, with people are everything. Education. And then money. Money's a practical thing, and we need it. And the more we have, the more good we can do in the world. Vocation what we do with our days, how we're giving back, how we're, what we're doing to be productive. That's our vocation. Lifestyle, make sure that we're enjoying the journey as well as planning for the future. And then character. We want to make sure that while we're busy making our dreams come true, we don't sell out. Yeah. We don't mark our tracking sheet done when maybe we were 200 steps short. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, though, that character thing is the reason that I can't mark my, my yeah. chart is done, right? Because I'm yes. working on my character. Um, Absolutely, so it, keeps us, it keeps us from giving ourselves away working for, on the other 
on the other things and developing. We still need to develop those things. Yeah, I those uh, I, I love all of those, and I I'm I'm super interested in, in talking more about the spiritual side for for a couple of reasons. Um, Ryan Holiday just happens to be my my favorite author, and I've read the vast majority of his books. And Ego is the Enemy absolutely changed my life about six or seven years ago, and it actually it taught me uh, in a way discipline, and it's 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 guided me on the path that I'm on now. And then you know through some of his writing about stoicism, that's that is my personal philosophy. That is where I find my spiritual uh, awareness and I'm I'm so passionate about it. And so, I mean, like I said, we've talked a bit about meditation, but when it comes to your uh, spiritual um, development, I mean, where, where do you, where where do you look, where do you seek out some of this growth? Um, I'll tell you first uh, of all, everything is the spiritual that is, that has saved me. Well, let me go back. It's, it's through, I was a little girl and my parents were divorced and I was in a really at risk situation. I'm wandering around town. My mother marries the proverbial bad stepfather who marries women with little girls. It was that kind of, I had three little sisters. I'm the oldest. I'm seven and eight years old. I'm wandering all over this little town all by myself. I was really at risk, but somewhere in there, I don't know exactly how I learned to, but I learned to pray. I have no idea who taught me, but I learned to pray. Yeah. Uh, I knew that was, my family was in trouble and something had to give, and that's why I started doing it. That practice, and I continued that even through my party years, it's the one habit that I always did at night, I would pray. And I knew, and you can interpret this any way that you'd like to, but I knew that there was a, I didn't know what it looked like, had no no religious training at this point at all, yeah. that there was a God in heaven, he cared about me, and he answered my prayers. I just knew that beyond anything. So that was a practice I continued. So when it was time to move forward and I was ready and teachable, I had a source. I had a power source to rely on already. So so my relationship with God is my power source, and I'm unapologetically religious <laughs> in, this, in the sense that I need to be spiritually fed. Absolutely. And prayer on my own and my own reading of scripture and, that, and, and religious texts isn't enough. I need to be spiritually fed. So I go to church, but that is for me. Not everybody's going to start there and you'll end up where you're going to end up. You might start with um, a lot. I was surprising how many of my clients tell me that they want to have the habit of prayer without me ever asking uh, and no matter what their religious background is. Um, But it might be for you five minutes of just quiet time. It might be walking in nature, start somewhere because that part of us is so important so many of my hosts have quoted this thing. I don't usually quote it as a rule, but but that that little line about we are not physical beings have a spiritual experience, but we're right. spiritual beings having a physical experience. And I'm surprised how many of my hosts quote that. I don't quote that. I believe it though. Yeah, that is that's that's powerful. Um, you know, I. I I kind of had the opposite of experience that that you had. I I, I grew up I grew up somewhat religious. I, I went to to church as a as a kid, and I, I because my parents went, and you know I went through Sunday school and all of that. When I went to college, I decided none of that was for me, and so I was going to become a staunch atheist. I wanted to you know buck against uh, uh, conformity and, and trends, and I just wanted to be my own person. And so that that's what I was in my my college and my college years, my twenty. Uh, 20 year old or twenties. Um, and then toward the end of my twenties and into my thirties, I've just, I've, and especially through these conversations, I've realized how powerful 
just beliefs in general are. And, and I mean, aside from aside from wanting to to know everything, which I, I know is impossible, I just I, I there's so much out there that gives people hope and compassion and a reason for continuing to live their best lives and helping others. And, you know, if I was ever to, to say one thing is right and one thing is wrong, then I would be compromising again on my own integrity. I, I don't want to do that. And so I, I love hearing stories like yours and hearing where you find your power and your source of, of, of wisdom and your source of, uh, the, the desire to help other people. And I, I'm so thankful for you and for, for the fact that you, you had that in your life to, to bring you to where you are at this very point today, which is such an incredible, at least, you know, from this conversation transformation. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Trey. And I'm, I'm glad you found your way back to some kind of spirituality yourself because it, you know, if you, I've, I'm a person and I think a lot of people are this way. I want to see and touch and feel and know everything. I wouldn't want to miss the spiritual and the spiritual yeah. is, is the sublime, right? I don't know all the, the, I can't answer all the questions. Why does God let people suffer? Why are so-and-so such religions or hypocrites or what? I don't know about all that. All I know is that there's a source in this universe yes. that can help my days be better. And I want every day to be the best it can be. And I know that that source is, is God and that he can make my days be better. And I want that power. And I don't care about the rest of it can fall out however it wants to. Other people can debate it, but I know that. And I will stay. uh, I I could never not, I could never deny that. I just know it too thoroughly. That's amazing. I I love hearing that. Um, uh, Speaking of of beliefs and and, uh, sitting with ourselves and uh, meditation. Uh, you went through transcendental meditation training, I guess if you can call it that. Correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm thinking back. I, I probably have spoken with others who have gone through that as well, but I, I don't remember. I'm just. I'm curious what that was like for you. It's it's something that's always intrigued me. Having a mantra and you know what that does for your your mind, body, and soul. And I'm just. I'm curious how often you practice it. I think you said you don't practice it as often as you used to. And I'm, I'm just curious what that was like for you. Well, um, I do meditate every day. If I'm uh, preferably, I would try to sneak another one in, in the afternoon. I, I st- originally tried to commit to two times a day. Remember yeah. how we talked about maybe we overwhelm ourselves. It's too yep. much that put stress. It made it stressful for me. So I backed off to one and now I put a second one in whenever it feels good. So I, when I want to, because that it works better. I did the transcendental meditation. I'd already been meditating and doing, you know, breathing, relaxing, that kind of things. I'm not really a big one for uh, meditations that are led by somebody else because I don't want them in my head. Right. <laughs> I want right. whatever, whatever's out there in the universe to come into me that I don't want to get anybody in my way. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I might try that again too, but um, so I did like transcendental meditation. I don't really, I love having my mantra. I love my mantra. I don't do it all the time. I mostly do the way I did before. I do the breathing in that, but sometimes I'll do, it's not a bit hugely different. The difference is you've got the mantra to keep your thoughts focused rather than the breathing or keep your mind busy rather than the breathing. So I go back and forth. I try not to mix them in the same meditation because uh, transcendental meditation says do other meditations if you want, but don't do them at the same time. So I try to honor that. But I've, I've liked it. I think it was worth my time to do it. I like having my mantra and uh, I like that system. But whatever I do, uh, meditation has been so good for me. It's helped me be more in the moment. It's like prayer is a chance for me to connect 
and speak. And meditation is a chance for me to relax and let let my my soul be touched, if that makes yeah, any sense. It does. It absolutely makes sense. Um, I, of course, will not ask you what your mantra is, because I, I know that's not something that no, is no, to be can't, shared. You can't even say it out loud. Right, right. I, I know. And I, 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 that's, it's, you know, of course, there's part of me that's curious, you know, what, what does a mantra sound like? That, that's, that's aside from the point. I'm just, you know, saying or, you know, having that mantra and I guess the, the practice of, of repeating it, what, what does that do for you? And I, I'm curious because I've never, I've never experienced mantra meditation before. So I'm just curious how that is different from, you know, just, uh, you know, sitting in silence for 20 minutes or sitting, you know, with, uh, some sort of, uh, bells or, or nature noises. Well, contrary to popular belief, you actually say the mantra in your mind. You don't say it out right, loud. Right, right. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. That. Yeah. So a lot of people think you're saying this out loud, you're owning or something and you have a mantra. They're syllables that don't mean anything. They just are, I think usually three syllables that you just say. And the idea is that thoughts, our mind is busy and the thoughts are coming in your mind all the time. So you can say the mantra, favor the mantra over the other thoughts. And sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you just have to let the thoughts go. One of my favorite things about transcendental meditation is it got me to quit fighting it. Like I'd be like, oh, I can get my brain to calm down. And, and, and with the teaching there I got was, it's okay. It's all right. If some days you just, your brain is busy and you just be okay with it. It's the best way to get it to calm down is to just be okay with it. And so I really appreciated that about that training. But um, so then the mantra, you just say the mantra in your mind instead of the other thoughts. And then at some point in the meditation, you no longer need it. Um, I suspect that people who've done this a long time probably don't really use their mantras very much anymore. They get, you get, your mind gets used to just sitting down and calming down. But it's just to give you something else to keep on your mind, just like the breathing is. That's the way I see it. Now, I'm I'm new at this. I just want to be clear on the meditation. (laughs) I've only been meditating for a few years. I am much more expert at tracking. Yes. (laughs) And some of the other things, it's new for me, but it's a journey and I'm enjoying it. I I wouldn't want to not do it. I mean, I I love it. Yeah. That's incredible. And I, I mean, I have to give you props for doing it daily because I, I've been on and off for a number of years and uh, the offs tend to, they tend to stack up quicker than the ons do. And I just, that making the time and tracking that, uh, that every single day, that is, it, it shouldn't be hard to do and it really isn't, but it's just, it's, it's for me, it's just sitting down and doing it. So I, that, that is very commendable. And I, I love hearing when people are able to do that. I did struggle with it a little bit at the beginning, like you, up and down, I'll tell you where it made the difference. We talked about this earlier about the quart of ice cream. Yeah. It's the pain point when I said, when I miss a few days, it's harder for me when I come back. It takes me longer to get into it before I get to that point where I really love it. It yeah. takes me another day or two or three. And so the it's not worth it. And now I'll tell you, if I'm on vacation, I may not do it. If right. I'm with my husband all day long and we're traveling and doing things, you know, we're out doing things from morning till night. I need to be by myself. So unless there's an option, I may not do it. But for my usual average day, it's not worth missing. Besides, I like it. Yes. <laughs> I, I like it. And don't I, I feel happier when I do it. Yeah. Well, that that's fantastic. I I, I plan on taking uh, your your example and then living it myself. Um, I know we're coming up in an hour here, but I want to talk a little bit more about your book, uh, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential. And I'm 
I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, it sounds silly to ask, you know, where the, um, where, where the book came from, because we, we, I feel like we've talked about so much of your story and, you know, the things that you're doing. I mean, is there anything that we have not touched on that you really, uh, drive home in your book? Um, not particularly. I would just, I guess I'd like to say this about the book. I never intended to write a book and I was asked frequently. I've been asked probably dozens of times, you should write a book. You should write a book after, after I'm speaking somewhere, I do a workshop and I've adamantly been opposed to the idea. I'm like, I'm a a talker, not a writer. (laughs) But, um, when I sat down to write it, it just, I got stuck a few times and was on my knees trying to get through some, some tough spots, but mostly Trey, it flowed out of me. I'm almost embarrassed at the to, I'm afraid people won't read it if they know how few hours I have into that. And I would tell Ken that. I mean, I've got a lot of hours into it. Right. I wrote it in seven months, and I was traveling probably about a third of that time. You know, I did do a couple of retreats and and tried to write at least a few days every week. But uh, I said that to Ken once. I said, I'm my husband. I said, I feel kind of embarrassed that this has come together so well, and I don't feel like I've tried hard enough. And he said, you've been writing this book for 40 years. Yes. I just had to write what I knew. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I didn't, that's why I went backtracked on the meditation. I'm new at this because I, as a point of integrity, I didn't put anything in the book that I did not know of myself to be true by my own practice. Yeah. I didn't read about it in a book and then just share it with everybody. If I didn't know for sure that it worked for me and my clients, I didn't put it in the book. And I was very careful about that. And when I talked about meditation, I said, this is new for me. I I am still experimenting with meditation. You're on your own. <laughs> You're all on your own from where you go on it. I don't know. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd like to know about the book. It's then just pulled together. It's very chock full of information. If anything, it's probably almost difficult to read because there's so much stuff in it. I'm only going to write one. <laughs> um, no, no follow-ups. No, I don't. I, at this point, I don't plan on it. Everything I know is in that one. I think uh, I, I don't think I know enough. I don't think I'm going to live long enough to know write another book. But um, I'm not that old, <laughs> but I mean, not to live another 40 years, right? I don't think I'm going to live that long to new, learn that many, this new stuff. But no, I, I would like to just say that about the book. There's nothing in there that I don't know to be positively true by my own experience. Yeah, well, that's, that's fantastic. rare in this genre. People yeah. do, they quote studies and they do research and they study this and that. I, I didn't have to do much research because I am it. That's amazing. I, I I love that. That's one of my favorite types of books. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I do my best to read as much as I can. A lot of it is self-improvement and I, I need, I, I get so much joy out of fiction. It's just that everything gets backed up and I, I don't know. I, I really, really appreciate uh, the type of, of um, work that you've done with this book. And I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, I mean, I'm excited to read it. Uh, first of all, and I'm, I've, I've loved this conversation. And if that's any indication for what's inside the book, I'm sure I will receive a ton of value out of it. So I, again, I just, I want I to thank so. you for all of this. I don't know if you listen to a lot of uh, personal development is listened to, but I've got, I'm in process right now of recording um, an audio book. So it'll be on audible, audible, audible on audible. I think within less than a month, it should be up on audible. So that's fantastic. I, I love asking, I love asking this question of people who record their own um, uh, uh, audiobooks. And I, how how was that process for you? I've heard it was it's I've heard a lot of different things, and I'm curious what you thought of actually recording it. Um, you probably have observed that I have an unusual voice, <laughs> and it's deep for a woman. And I've always had it since I was a little girl. Um, so I'm 
kind of self-conscious a little bit about it, but even though I'm a speaker and I've been speaking for 25 years, right. And teaching yeah. for longer than that. Um, so I was a little nervous about how that was going to come off, but I knew positively that this is something that I had to read myself. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing that somebody else can read. It's too much of my story, but it's been good. I thought it would be harder. I'm working with a, a real professional. He's actually okay. produced some of the Dave Matthews albums and he really knows his stuff. So I'm working with a real, really good professional. We're doing some nice touches. He's got a, a man with a very nice voice who's going to do the chapter headings and the quotes. I have a lot of quotes in the book. Each each section starts with a quote, and he's going to do those. And so I think in music, he's going to, of course, add music. And I think it's going to be very nice. And I'm, I'm actually liking it. A new experience. Yes. That's wonderful. I, that, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I, I, I look forward to adding both the, uh, the, the physical copy as well as the, uh, the audio copy as well uh, to my collection. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I I don't do a lot of audiobooks, but I, when when somebody recommends one to me, and this conversation is a perfect example of that, I, I try my best to to actually sit down and and make space for that because I think that's the hardest part for me. Uh, yes, I think and there's so many to choose from. Yeah, and yeah. I've got quite a, a few people right now in my world that have written books, and some not in a, an area that I'm interested in, but they're my people I care about. So I'm going to get those books, and I'm going to read them by darn. Yes, <laughs> I've got a trip coming up. I can get quite a few books read in the trip, so That's I'm perfect. going to read my for all my friends' books because you know I've got a book out there too, and I want them to read mine. So yes, absolutely. Well, Sherry, this has been such an incredible conversation. Um, before I let you go, I do have a, a few closing questions that I like to ask, and. The first of which is, I, you know, I, I, I do my best to, to give back as much as I can because you, you've spent an hour with me, an, an hour plus, and I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. And so I always like to ask the question, what resources are you looking for to continue in your personal or professional uh, journey? Uh, what what resources can help you continue growing? And I ask that question, you know, in case there's somebody out, you know, across the country, across the world who can help you in that way. So what is it that you're looking for currently? I love that question, Train. Nobody's asked me that before. And I think that is a give back question. I love it. Um, this book, I have no interest in it. I don't need the money. I have no interest in it except that it gets into the hands of people. Yeah. I felt like it was divinely decreed that I should write it. Yes. And it needs to get out there. So if if anyone can do anything to promote that book, buy the book, give it to your friends and or any other way, that would just... I, I think it would. Ser- I hope it would serve the world more than yeah. me. Um, so that that would be the thing. Let's get life mastery out there because I think there's a lot of people who are looking for it. They just don't know where to find it. Yeah, I, I love that, and and I'll give you the chance to talk about where people can find you in a moment. But I mean, all everything everything in relation to your book will be in the show notes. So I will encourage people to to check that out. Um, and then specifically in regard to books, uh, like I said, I, I do my best to read as much as possible. And I'm always curious if you could name one book that's just changed your life, what would that book be and why? Oh man, that is such a tough question. Um, I've read so many books. Um, that is such a tough question. I'll tell you, look, can I tell you an author maybe? Of course. And I would say Jim Rohn and I mostly listen to his things, but um, he spoke to me at a level that I could really um, appreciate. He's somebody who had made his fortune, lived his life, and shared what he learned. And I really appreciated uh, that that book. Recently, though, I'm going to tell you this one recently, John Acuff, uh, Soundtracks. I would recommend that one for you. I think you would like that one. 
easy to listen to. And I realized some soundtracks I had that were negative. I would have thought I was the master of this kind of stuff. And I'm not. I learned some things that changed my life uh, from John Acuff's book, Soundtrack. So that would be a good one, too. Good. And I did want to bring it up because uh, you had mentioned it in your, your bio initially, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale, which I, I have not read before. So I'm just curious what that, that particular book meant to you. Well, the concept is like it pervasive through all personal development. And it is that what you think about is what you become. It's that simple. That's the strangest secret. That's yeah. his message is what we think about is what we become. That's why John Acuff's book would be really, uh, really yes. great. Interesting about Earl Nightingale, he thought that book, everybody, that was a record actually. He thought everybody that would change the whole world, everybody would want that and everybody would read it. He was quite bitterly disappointed <laughs> to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Most people do not. Most people do not want to do this kind of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I appreciate you sharing those. And uh, last but not least, I'd like to leave our conversation by offering you the chance to, i like to ask, what is your personal call to action? If you could leave the audience with one call to action that you either live your life by or you implore your clients or your friends to live their lives by, what would that be? There's one answer to all of our problems, whether they're personal or they're in society of their world problems, there's one answer, and that's you work on you. You want better relationships. You want your life to be better for your children, your spouse, work on you. You want your community to be, be better. You work on you. It's what we do, how we improve, and then it creates a ripple effect outward from us. It comes from, change comes from within us and affects outward everybody. You, we can't, we cannot force change upon the world. We can only, uh, Gandhi said, I have to be the change I wish to see in the world. Work on yourself and everything else will come. Everything else will work out. You just work on you. That's it sounds self-centered, but it's the best way you can serve the world. It absolutely is. I, I, I thank you for sharing that. Um, Sherry, again, thank you so, so much for this. Um, if people would like to connect with you, if they'd like to find you on social media or if they'd like to uh, buy your book, what is the best place to find you online? The book is, of course, on Amazon and Life Mastery on Amazon by Sherry Sterling Fernandes. Uh, I am on Facebook, of course. Um, we do have an Instagram account too, but I, somebody else does that for me. So I don't know. I can't do anything about that. And then uh, my email is sherry at lifemasteryinfo.com. Sherry at lifemasteryinfo.com. And I will respond to any emails that I'm sent. I've had a little trouble with my email. So if you don't, hear from me, <laughs> contact me on social media. <laughs> We're having little glitches in the email for some reason. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm real accessible. You can, And if somebody has questions for me, you find me, I'll answer them. Perfect. Well, I, I'm looking forward to the next time we get uh, the chance to, to chat. Um, this has been phenomenal. So Sherry, again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Trey. I hope we get to do this again. It's been fun. Once again, I would like to extend a huge thank you to Sherry for joining me on the podcast. It was such an incredible honor sharing this time in this space with her. And I would highly encourage you to connect with her either on social media, purchase her book, or even shoot her an email if there are areas of your life in which you're looking to track, you're looking to put systems in place for, or you're just looking to do a little bit better. You can find all of the show notes for this episode and of course, you can learn all about the podcast at themosaiclifepodcast.com. 
If this is a conversation that has inspired you to improve certain areas of your life, I would have to imagine you have a friend out there looking to do the same. It would mean the world to me if you would share this episode with them. That helps me and that helps the podcast to continue growing. And of course, as always, thank all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to the Mosaic Life podcast. It absolutely means the world to me. As 2021 starts to wind down, I start to think about all of the people who have had a positive influence on my life over the last year. And in December, I do my best to reach out to all of those folks to say thank you. Truly, I wish I knew all of your names who were listening to this so I could extend a personal thank you to you. All I can say right now is that your support for the podcast has meant the world to me and it is the sole reason why I continue doing this. So thank you. Until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.